Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Anne Dittmeyer. Welcome Anne. Where are you joining us from today? Um, thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. I am an American, if you can hear by my voice, but I'm actually based in Paris, France, and that's how I'm connecting with you today. That is, how did you come to be in Paris? That's so exciting. Um, it's a long story dating back to when I studied abroad. I learned the city is my classroom, just kind of being that insider outsider and having a different worldview. And I love that cultural exchange. Um, and it's a pretty magical place. Yeah. Wow. So how long have you been there now? Um, on and off since 2001. And this summer marks 10 years. And I recently celebrated my third anniversary of being French. So I have two passports. Oh, wow. That's really exciting. How cool. And so what do you do in Paris, Anne? So it's interesting. So the French tend to do like one thing in life and I am completely opposite. So um, my background is in design, both in graphic design and user experience and design thinking. Um, but I call myself a designer, educator, creative coach and consultant. So um, I am a dot connector. I bring all these different ideas into all the projects I do from teaching online to working with um, corporate level clients to coaching individuals. Wow. So you really are multi-passionate, aren't you? Yeah, I really am. And so much of it started from my blog called Pret de Voyager, which means ready to travel. And I started this blog in 2007 to explore the intersection of travel and design. And to, the, to this day, it really still is my best business card. So um, I'm constantly pulling in all these ideas and, you know, weaving them together in all the work I do. That's really interesting. So I have got you on the show today, Anne, because we want to have a little chat about imposter syndrome, what it is, what we think of it, what your experience of it is. And I came to understand a bit more about imposter syndrome when I was reading your blog. And you've got some really interesting ideas on the concept. And I think they would be really valuable for our listeners to hear. So um, let's jump into it. I, for those of you that aren't aware of imposter syndrome or the concept of that, it's also called imposter phenomenon or fraud syndrome. And it's a term that's used to describe the psychological experience of feeling like you don't deserve your success. It can also kind of be described, I guess, as a feeling of anxiety or tension around not being worthy of your current position or status. And would you agree with that? Or have you got another way to explain what imposter syndrome is? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it, it's kind of this thing that's hard to pin down because it's not tangible. Um, and I never expected to be an entrepreneur or do this. And so I always like to explore these ideas and realize, oh, it's not just in my head. So it is a lot of self-doubt, insecurity, um, questioning why somebody wants somebody wants you to do something. Um, because again, like you said, you don't feel worthy um, and you feel like a fraud and we're all fully capable, but it's all about this mindset. And we play a lot of mind games in business and when you're an entrepreneur and even in, in life and um, often it's not talked about. And so we think it's just us who's, who's dealing with it. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely a concept that has been around for a long time. But I think until recently, people just haven't spoken of it. They've seen it as a weakness or some kind of vulnerability that they didn't want to be exposed. And I guess there was probably also an essence of, is it just me? Am I the only one that feels like a fake or like a fraud? And revealing that to people, especially if they're your peers in your business circle or entrepreneurial circles, I guess you would worry about opening yourself up to scrutiny and that kind of thing. Do you agree? Yeah, 100%. And there's so much projection coming on going, you know, we project our ideas onto other people. We see these perfectly curated lives on on social media. And so we assume that other people aren't going through these things or feeling the same way. And so, so much is internalized and we just, you don't realize it's a thing until you learn it's a thing. You know, I feel like across the board, a lot of this is getting talked about more. And that's why I'm so happy that we're talking about it today to normalize it and, you know, give people the confidence to like move on and push through because that's where growth really happens. Yeah, I think you said that perfectly. So from your experience, Anne, you've you've experienced this feeling of imposter syndrome. Do you have an understanding of who's most commonly affected by it? I think it could be anybody, and I've heard students being affected by it, but for me, it was not until I started to to raise the bar and up my game that I, I really encountered it head on, full force. Um, and I think it came from taking more risks. And there's this wonderful um, TED-Ed talk by Elizabeth Cox. Um, it's it's animated, and it talks about how even Maya Angelou and Einstein had these, these sentiments of imposter syndrome and not feeling good enough and doubting that they earned their accomplishments and that they didn't deserve deserve this attention. And so I think that the higher you get, the more you're, you realize you don't know. And when you're open to learning, then, then you just become more vulnerable and then it's a new experience. And so you feel again, fraudulent and the self doubt creeps in. And so, so for me, it, it has been, you know, really, taking the next level and having my own business. But, you know, you can be in school and feel like, oh, it was a fluke that I got this good grade or there's an error um, in a system or things like that. Yeah, I I think it's quite remarkable to think that Maya Angelou or Einstein ever felt imposter syndrome because we all look at them as revolutionary and incredible minds and can't comprehend the fact that they would have self-doubt when none of us have any doubt at all in their abilities. But I think it really, it can be experienced across the board. I know that there's quite a lot online about um, mums returning to work after being home with children back into good positions, prominent positions, some people into positions they held um, before they had children, but all of a sudden now that they've been home with their kids for a few years, suddenly don't feel worthy of the role they hold or feel like they're fraudulent in some way and they don't deserve to be there. But I think it's I think it happens at all levels. It's quite often, you know, the first job you get when you're finished your your studies, you think, oh, they don't know that I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> you know? Also then the higher up you go and when people, you know, either want to apply for a promotion 
or or a higher level job, then they think, oh, am I just faking it or can I really do it? And then when you succeed in getting those positions, you think, oh, someone will find me out. Someone will figure out actually I'm not I'm not worthy of being here. And I think I think it probably affects males and females alike. And there's probably no age bracket or social status that, you know, kind of delineates between whether you can suffer with it or not. I think it's quite, you know, yeah, um, experience across the board. I completely agree. And everything you said was spot on. And we go through different chapters and seasons of our life and business. And so you're going to encounter these different challenges. And we see and hear all these stories in the media and society of, you know, instant success. And then, you know, we think if we don't know something, we're afraid to ask questions. And it's something that we do as children, but we forget to do later in life. And so we just, again, assume and project and that everybody has it figured out. And so you you can see one story online, but I really love talking to people to get the full story. And you realize there's more to it and more people feel you know, have these questions and, and doubt themselves. And that that's totally normal and it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I, I'm really excited that it's become a popular topic. And I think some prominent people, I'm completely girl crushing on Brene Brown, have been yes. for a while now. But her talk on vulnerability that's um, on Netflix, but you can also find it elsewhere, is just mind-blowing that, she can take something so simple as being vulnerable and turn it into something firstly that we all relate to but also that vulnerability can be you know a key player in terms of strength and connecting with people and that if you um, express vulnerability or show vulnerability that it's not just a weakness although you quite often will perceive it like that it's it's this ability to connect and to strengthen relationships with people by you know, allowing them to see how vulnerable you are. And I think all these discussions are just great how they're bringing people together and realising that it's that we're not isolated, we're not alone in our feelings of these, these types of phenomenons. Yeah, I mean, we are all so connected and we don't realise on the levels. And I am 100% with you on Brene Brown. I'd seen her TED Talk. I watched A Call to Courage on Netflix, and then I proceeded to buy all of her books, which I'm working my way through. And I love that she is a character in her own story, and she is imperfect. And if you look back to these books, the first one's like, there's one earlier, but it's called The Gifts of Imperfection. And to see where where she was when she wrote this book, I believe around 2010, and then her own trajectory and growth and having this this special on Netflix. And so she questions herself. And one of the things I love she that she asks is she says, the story I'm telling myself. And so we we all get in our heads. Um, so I think normalizing it and having these conversations is so key. And that's why podcasts are incredible because we can start spreading the word and sparking conversations with other people and being more vulnerable. And being vulnerable is another way to grow. So do you have any tips then if we're feeling like we might be suffering with imposter syndrome, whether it's our first job or a new promotion or a new job that we felt like we were kind of reaching for and have found ourselves in it and now are worried that that we're not worthy? Do you have, have any tips on how we would maybe get through that or overcome imposter syndrome? I think it's important to remember that 
everybody in their role. Like nobody knows everything. We assume they do, but everybody's figuring things out as they go. And so I think the most important thing we could do is ask questions and accept that asking questions is an empowering thing. And you can uncover a lot of different information that way. One of the most empowering things that happened to me was when another teacher, somebody in a similar role to me, they 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 gave me permission to learn anything I didn't know. And I know this sounds like common sense, but sometimes we get so scared and, you know, crawl into our turtle shell and hide instead of facing things full on. And so she was giving me permission to learn anything I didn't know. And that was one of the most empowering things that ever happened to me. And then I just, I fell down the rabbit hole. I would listen to podcasts, read books, read articles. And through each of those different mediums, I would discover new things. And so like there's that saying that knowledge is power, but I think when we're scared or feel like an imposter, it's the first thing we forget um, and we get stuck in ourselves. And so I think it's also important to getting out of our heads to stop only thinking about it and start doing. And that might be actually doing the thing that you're scared of, but it also might be having a conversation with somebody. And some people will just say, oh, get out of your head. But you really want to find those people who have empathy and compassion and who have been there. So might be your best friend, but it might be somebody that you just met at an event and you can open up and learn from them. And so in terms of having these conversations and asking questions, um, we also want to make sure we're becoming better listeners. And I think there are a lot of clues that we ignore just because it might not be a mainstream message. So I think um, acknowledging that, you know, we, we see these quick, easy life is easy success stories, but really remembering that everything is a journey. It feels like a roller coaster with ups and downs and reminding ourselves that people starting out, but also the most successful people in, in their industry feel the same way, whether they say it or not. And so I think it, it really helps to surround yourself with other people who, you know, think like you or think differently. Um, I call my tribe that, you know, when things are hard, I, I can go talk to them. And so we have to be gentle with ourselves and know this is a reality, but it will pass. And the moment I feel something creep in, I'm like, okay, I got to talk to somebody and get out of my head. Uh, I think that is key, that talking or connecting with people. And on on definitely on a couple of layers, because quite often, if you have a mentor or someone that you respect that's higher up, either it's someone um, that is in the same field as you that's, you know, a number of years ahead of you that you're aspiring to be like or someone in a different field that you just like their their life balance or their philosophy or, so, you know, someone that you're looking down the track and thinking, I you know, I'm aspiring to that, that person or that scenario. Talking to people in, you know, in a relationship like that quite often they will tell you that they have been there and felt the same and done the same and what they did to combat it. And it will just kind of give you that reassurance, I guess, that firstly you're not alone and that they've been there too and that that's part of the process. And I think on a on another layer, it, it shows you that no one is immune to this, that uh, everyone goes through it at some point. Um, you know, obviously some people feel it de deeper than others, but that 
yeah, it's not it's not selective. That the people that generally are successful or are finding success in whatever they do at some point have this experience and that, you know, some people find it easier to get get through and some people find it harder. But I think connecting with people on different levels can reassure you that you're not alone and also show you that that you can get through it and go and climb bigger mountains, go find some bigger challenges and conquer those too. Yeah, exactly. It's being open to possibilities. I think we often are looking for the easy way out. And people don't talk about how much business is about personal growth and it's about mindset. And so it's it's whatever you're doing or offering or selling, but it's also this like internal battle a lot of the times. And mm. um, I think, you know, it's really giving yourself permission to learn and make mistakes and, you know, be vulnerable. Back to the the mindset thing too, there's um, Carol Dweck, who is a psychologist, and she talks about fixed and growth mindsets. Um, so if you feel like you're fixed, it's saying that you can never grow. But a growth mindset is you're really open to anything and you can overcome anything. Um, so for me, being able to overcome feeling like an imposter was one of the most empowering things ever. And so getting to that level of empowerment, and again, it takes work. And it, it can be fun, it can be painful, it can be awkward, it can be uncomfortable, but that's how you push past things and get to the next level. I think, and I think that's exactly the teacher that said to you, but you can learn anything you don't know. That needs to be written in the sky. I think people need to, you know, or tattoo that to their forehead. You can learn anything you don't know. So when you find yourself in this scenario and you feel like you're drowning or you feel like you're a fraud, instead of sitting in that well of anxiety and panic, reframe it and say, okay, where, what do I feel like I don't know enough of to be a success? Or where do I think the chinks in my armor are? And go and research or connect with people that know what I don't know. And, you know, use it, use it as a hurdle or a stepping stone rather as just sitting in that place of, of weakness and worry and concern about it. Yeah. And, some like I, I actually really think it's an asset to not know everything because all these experts like they claim to know everything and have all the answers and that quick fix. But sometimes when you have this what's called a beginner's mind, and it was a from Zen, Zen Buddhism it says in the beginner's mind there are many possibilities, but in the experts there are few. And so I think being open to these possibilities, which again opens the vulnerability, is so key. And when you don't know everything, you can look towards alternative solutions and different ways of doing things. And just because something's been done a certain way forever doesn't mean it's the best way or the right way or the only way. So I think we all need to keep working on our mind, mindsets and being willing to shift and see that there are, are other ways and that imposter syndrome isn't all bad. Yeah. And so you explore this idea in your blog post. And I think what really struck me was the fact that you say that going through imposter syndrome was a good thing for you or a positive thing. Is that, can you explain the idea further? Is that because you you found this whole new place of growth? Is that is that why you believe enduring imposter syndrome was a good thing for you? Yeah, so a little backstory. So I got recruited um, to do a job. It was daunting, but I was like, wait, this sounds cool. It's the direction I want to go. It was supposed to be in partnership with somebody else. So I used that as a crutch and as an excuse to be like, oh, they can do the parts I don't know. And then mm -hmm. and that didn't work out. And so I was scared to death. 
And I started questioning myself and why do they want me? I'm not good enough. Why didn't they hire an expert who already knows everything? But when I look at the before and after, I'm like a totally different person. And so I I uncovered this whole world, which was the subject matter that I was dealing with and teaching, but also I learned about a lot about myself in the process. And so I think we're often scared to do something because we don't know it, you know? And so we, we play it safe or we kind of get stuck in a role that we're like good at it, but we don't love it or it's toxic um, because we're afraid to make the jump. And so for me, having somebody who believed in me and kept saying, you've got this, like, there's a reason I hired you was so incredible. And I'm going to keep going back to that word empowering. And it, it changed my mindset and it allowed me, allowed for a transformation. And it was permission to be curious and that's really how I call, uh, killed imposter, the imposter and imposter syndrome and just being open to other possibilities and knowing it takes time. But when you do a project that's long enough, you can again see where you were and then where you've become. And by the end, I was like, or even the middle, I was like, wow, I know more about this subject than some people who have been doing it for years because, again, I'm open to these possibilities and I'm open to learning and open to admitting that I don't know everything. Yeah. And I'm guessing that by the end of that, you probably had this newfound belief in yourself that then the next project that comes your way, you're like, hell yeah, give that to me because whether I know it or not, I now have faith that I can figure it out. I can find a way and I can, you know, I can succeed. Yeah. And and I needed that as a stepping stone. So we, you know, build bricks of confidence. And this is imposter syndrome is all lack linked to a lack of, of confidence too. So after I finished this job where I felt like a huge imposter, but then I felt like, hell yeah, I know this and I owned it. Then I got recruited. People came to me to do this job that if I was applying for it in a traditional path, I would never have received but I got recruited to do this job. It was a compilation of everything I'd ever done in life. It was like, how does this even exist? I couldn't have found it if I was looking for it. And I did that job and it was for a big company and I felt intimidated and slightly like an imposter, but I was like, this time I'm going to own it and own what I know and know that anything I don't know, I can figure out how to do it and I can learn anything I don't know. And so ironically, when I was going through that project, I encountered material that other people had done um, that had been hired by the company. And they were big. It was big agency work. They'd been paid a lot of money to do it, I'm sure. And I looked at it and I was like, this is crap. Like, (laughs) you know, and so I realized that if I hadn't risen to the occasion to do it myself, somebody else would have done it who would have done it in a subpar way. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's where we can get blocked in our head and think I'm not good enough, but somebody else is going to have a false confidence going into it and they're going to do it one way or another. And it might not always be a great end result, but if you are open to the fact that you don't know everything and you still want to bring your game, you can overcome that. And so I encountered this like work that I was just like, I mean, it was fine. It wasn't horrible, but it could have been so much stronger. And I know if I had done that part, it would have been stronger. So it was just 
eye-opening that I was like, oh, I really do know what I'm doing. And, you know, any friends or family members or colleagues would always, you know, be like, Ann, what are you talking about? Like, you know what you're doing. You've got this. But again, we feel different than what people see from the outside. And so having these experiences is a all these experiences. It's not a bad thing. It's we're learning from each one and then we're bringing it to the next project we do or the next client or whatever it is that we're working on. So it's all stepping stones in life and we need to learn to trust ourselves. And that sense of belief in yourself. I think if you can build that up, it becomes like some kind of uh, superpower, I guess, in a way, because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to believe in you quite as much as you believe in yourself when you're, you know, on top of your game. There are a lot of other people that will reassure you about what you can do, but you are the only one that, you know, once you have a deep understanding of yourself, will have that same level of confidence that you can, you know, really nail a project if that's what you've got to do. And so I think I think it's a process. It's not something we're born with, and I think like any, you know, I'm going to use the tennis right now as an example, any tennis player, successful tennis player, they're not born successful. They win something and then they lose a few things and then they go on to win again. And, you know, each win is another notch on the belt and they get better and better. And then people's faith in them grows, but at the same time, their faith in themselves grows exponentially. And it's that confidence that then they, you know, strut onto the court ready to play, knowing that, you know, if they bring their all, there's a good chance that they've got this, you know, sorted. And I, I feel like it's the same in business. It's the same with work, whatever big obstacle you're tackling in life. If you can just acknowledge that, that feeling of being an imposter, you know, don't ignore it. Don't squash it down. You know, be brave. If you need help and you need reassurance, don't be scared to ask, talk to someone, they will help reassure you. But then down the track, be aware that that you will overcome that and you can use that to then, you know, power you into the next phase or the next project. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, it's about putting in the work. We sometimes sit around waiting for, you know, every something to strike and just mm-hmm. for magic and luck. But if you take just little steps to overcome that, you know, you've really climbed this mountain Um, I think storytelling is an interesting um, field to look at. And you have a story arc where it goes up like a hill and you're encountering obstacles along the way, but it makes when you get to the top that much more rewarding. And when you do it yourself, just like you were saying, it's, it's, you know, it's so much stronger and you are building even stronger foundations for your future. And um, yeah, I, I just can't emphasize enough that it's it's about taking the, those little steps to work on yourself, and you know it's, it's like any sport. It's just practicing and not not ignoring the issue and admitting it and facing it and facing it head on. And at different chapters in your life, it's going to exhibit itself in different ways and ways you didn't expect. And it might take you a little while to actually acknowledge that oh, this is the imposter creeping back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to work through this. Would you have any advice then, Anne, for people who are managers or leaders that might be working with a team and possibly um, encountering staff that they see that might be suffering with this? Would you have any advice for, you know, a way that they could connect or, 
you know, say something to their their staff to show them that that it's okay and that we've all been there? Would you have, you know, do you have any language around how people could do that? I think it's important to tell stories because stories are how we all connect. So sharing their own experiences. Um, it's easy to speak in the abstract, but you know, if they can share their experiences with the team or one-on-one and have meetings. Um, I think managers are underestimated in what they can do because managers are actually feeling really insecure. And when you're higher up, you're afraid to admit that you don't know things. So I think having these honest conversations, but I think managers, what they can really do is help empower their team by trusting them and, you know, talking to them and asking the kind of projects they'd be wanting to take on um, or what scares them and helping them push through and learn from it. Um, Because I got recruited for this one project via Twitter direct message, believe it or not. And I questioned it every step of the way. And the person who recruited me, again, they did not question anything about me. Um, Mm -hmm. And they had faith and trust. And so instead of micromanaging, you know, keep empowering people and giving them feedback and communicate. And, you know, for me, it might be an American way, but like, I grew up having positive reinforcement and positive feedback. This does not mean just to to lie through your teeth, but when somebody's really doing a great job, let them know because we need this feedback loop of like knowing that we're making progress. And I think, you know, it takes over time that you, you know, you can remind your team, remember when you started or remember six years ago, how you felt about this? Like, let's pause and take a minute and look at where you are today and how far you've come. We're often moving so fast that we don't have time to acknowledge progress or growth. Um, So I think making sure that we build in time to do that, and it can be really simple, but often it's the smallest things can really be the most meaningful and have the biggest impact. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fascinating. And that's really, really good advice. I think it's so relatable, even, you know, parenting as similar to managing staff, it's so easy to see the negative and reinforce or jump in when people are failing. And when there's smooth sailing and everything's going well, it's easy to sit back and not acknowledge that because, you know, everything's fine. So being able to jump in and make people pause, reflect, look back and say, look what you've achieved. See, you know, that's why we have faith in you. You're great at what you do. Those little moments could really help someone break through any kind of feelings of imposter syndrome that they might be be carrying with them. Yeah. I mean, I, something that I do in my own work is I, I also I like to give people permission to do certain things. And one thing I had to give permission for myself to do was to push back because mm-hmm. people want you, you know, work environments are fast paced and it's go, go, go. But I think it's really important to stop, pause, ask questions, and make sure we really understand the problem before we're rushing to solutions. Um, and so being a dissenting opinion isn't a bad thing. It's just working through all these ideas. And again, managers can get so caught up in hitting the metrics and numbers and the goals set by the company that they they want they need to show that they had success. And I think we need to also consider that success and growth can happen in other ways. And it's really focusing on that foundation before the final the final result. And it's we're all a work in progress. Oh yeah, absolutely. Aren't we all? Even those who we perceive are at the top of their game and are, all their work is done. They're all a work in progress too. 
they might everybody just not really is. admit it. Yeah, everybody is, and it's easy to forget that. And some people exude confidence, other people don't, and it goes through chapters and it comes through like actually doing it and working through it. If you're sitting behind your computer just waiting for the confidence to come, it's not going to come. But mm. the more you you face it, um, it's going to help you under overcome that imposter. I know now um, in Australia, there's people popping up. There are coaches and counselors that um, work just in this little niche area. So I'm sure wherever you are listening to this, you can Google coaching advice or counseling imposter syndrome. And, you know, if you feel like you need help to discuss this or to overcome this beyond just what feedback you might be seeking from an employer or a mentor um, or even discussing it with your peers. There are there are professionals out there that can help you um, in a more strategic way do this kind of thing. So don't be don't be afraid to to ask for help because like we said, it's you know, it's something that most of us have gone through or will go through. So definitely there's no shame to be carried in admitting that you're you're feeling that. Yeah, asking for help is is the number one thing. And for me, one of the reasons I started my business blog on andditmeyer.com is because I wanted to share stories about the reality of business. I'm not trying to have, you know, the 10 things you need to do to, you know, make a million dollars tomorrow. I wanted to have really honest conversations about these topics and give people permission to, you know, learn more and be inquisitive. And I think curiosity is really something that can overcome imposter. And there, as a business owner, there's so many different challenges that you can encounter um, throughout your journey. And it is going to change um, as time changes and as you learn new things. But we are always learning and we're always a work in progress. That is a very lovely way to sum this up. So I really appreciate your time today, Anne, um, for chatting to us about imposter syndrome. And now for anyone that loves the sound of what you do and wants a a bigger slice of the Anne pie, where could they find you? Where can they go online to look you up? Um, Well, this was such a treat for me too. Um, Again, you can find um, my business blog on anditmeyer.com. It's D-I-T-M-E-Y-E-R. My travel blog is Predavoyager with dashes in it. Um, And I'm at Predavoyager on Twitter and Instagram. So again, that means ready to travel. But for me, travel is a way of seeing. And so it's not about going far, but it's just being open to possibilities in the world. That is brilliant. And we will put links to all of those in the show notes on our page for this week. So just go and uh, look up this week's episode and then you'll find all the links and you can click through to find out more details about Anne. Thanks so much, Anne. Thanks for having uh, me. Wish you a lovely rest of your day in Paris. Go and eat something deliciously, you know, chocolatey, pastry-ish for us. There, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to partake here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Okay. Thanks, Anne. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all of your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.